the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA09. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. There we go, we are on track, ready to get going. It is seven o'clock here, it is five for you, it is already dark, it feels like dinner time. I know. The whole thing. Who's this for? Is this for the farmers? Yeah, I think so. It was like something with the farmers, so they would have more daylight or something, and then now they have less daylight, but like, I don't really know. And I know that we voted for it in California to not do it anymore, because like Arizona and Hawaii don't do it, and then that is stuck in whatever somewhere in dc because there's someone some republican who has one to make it national that you have to do it so like the fact that we voted that we don't want to do it doesn't matter because that guy's like in the middle of like ruining everyone's day oh my god so annoying i I really hate this but whatever we're stuck with it um cool well let's go ahead and kick things off welcome to doom to fail a podcast where we cover two stories one historic one true crime about events that are doomed to fail joined here by fars and taylor how are you taylor I'm good. How are you? Being very official and formal. I'm good. I'm good. I've been in very doomed to fail headspace because I've literally just wrapped up my research. And so I'm like already. You look in... a little scary right now. It's dark. You could, you could you could be wearing a cloak. I don't know. I'm not sure it, what you're wearing. You're wearing it. It's a little hoodie. Very low cut tank top and a hoodie. So I don't know. It's be a cloak. It looks like you have demon horns because you have that bull behind you. It does look scary. And it's I close. And the missus is watching TV in the other room. And so I closed the door. So now there's no light at all in here. So, yeah. yeah. Very dark. Do you have a, a lamp? Do you have a lamp? No, I have this thing. Here. Let me turn this on. Maybe this will make it better. Here, does this look better? I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's weird. What is that? Like a fake fish tank? No, it, uh, it, has like it's like a it's a humidifier thing. Mm. Oh, I have one too. Mine right here. Mine looks like an egg. Here's here's mine. Fun. Yeah, it's one I just of those. Got it with my FSA money. I'm gonna hold it under my face. Wait, your FSA paid for that? Is it cool? Yeah, dude, they pay for humidifiers. I did not know that. It's for your health. I'm a sucker. I paid mm-hmm. for this out of pocket. Um, shouldn't have. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm good. We had I went to a birthday party today for one of Florence's friends. Uh, there was a horse. You liked it? Did you ride the horse? I just like a better dog. Oh God, no! Gross. It's 2023. There's literally um, no reason to ride horses. Um, no. Fair, fair. My most There's, traumatic. I was thinking. My most traumatic childhood. You go tell me. Yeah. Was when we had to do it. We we did like a camp field trip for like a weekend my mm-hmm. elementary school and at that time i was like super fat i was like a pudgy little thing and there was a part where we had to go like ride horses and that was part of the camp retreat and i was so embarrassed that i couldn't get up that i was like i'm scared of horses so i was like i'm not gonna ride and so me and like this one dad just stayed behind so because so i wouldn't have to get on the horse that's really sad and now here i am um, here you are living in texas yeah no i like to think that uh, there's like some ancestor of mine from like 500 years ago ago some like farm girl in europe who was like this fucking sucks 
fuck this shit. And I'm living her animal free dream. And I'm happy to be carrying that for her. Good, good, good. You're, yeah. you're, you're mm-hmm. doing your ancestors proud. Um, yeah. Living so, inside. Yeah, living inside with uh, sorts of conditioned air, of all things. Uh, it's wonderful. I have this humidifier. Shit. You got a humidifier. You're all set. I think, am I the first to go today? You are. What are you going to be consuming? Coffee. Actually, or? No, I'm drinking tea, but coffee is my, I try to stick to a theme. So my theme is coffee. In real life, I'm drinking tea. Got it. Got it. I'm drinking water because I'm actually drinking water and because it's topical to the topic that I'm discussing, which is topical to water. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, let me, I'll go ahead and kick things off. This might be a bit of a long one, actually. Yeah, I think doing a tight 30. Okay. So we are back to engineering disasters today. And actually, I know I thought about like splitting it up the way you did yours, the volcanoes. So I was like, people just get bored of listening to like engineering stuff. And then I was like, I started going down a rabbit hole about this one specific disaster. I was like, this is too good. I got to keep going. And so here we are. I mean, whatever. You skipped a week and it's fine. There's there no, you go. There's no rules. There's no rules. It's just right. Yeah. I'll back mm-hmm. cows. So this one is like the kind of an engineering disaster that like really sparked my interest in engineering disasters because it is so horrific and so traumatic and the magnitude of it and the scale of it was so huge and the amount of issues and reasons why it happened was so obvious and transparent. It was like a weird convergence of like horrible, horrible outcome one of the worst in human history mixed with so many different ways where it could have been preventable that what that wasn't realized and so i'm gonna go into this topic but i will say that i'm gonna be referencing some images for this and they are gonna be disturbing okay. so like google them if you want to but you don't have to um and put them on the social but they'll be optional yeah yeah and also there is um there's a ton of like um, YouTube content out there about this disaster, as well as a 2014 Martin Sheen and Cal Penn and Misha Barton movie that's made about it. So it could be fun to go watch. I heard it's mixed reviews, but it should be interesting. None so, of those people make sense in the same sentence. So that is exciting. Well, it, the um, events happened in India and Cal Penn was like a fake journalist during that time. Oh, I mean, serious. Um, I, I feel like I should plan to have nightmares about this. I've been having nightmares that I missed our friend's champagne toast the night before their wedding. Like, that's my nightmares at the moment. So I'm real excited to have an actual nightmare. Yeah, let's add on to it then. So the topic I'm going to be discussing. Okay, so my whole point was go look at the YouTube videos because I, I think if you were to see the imagery of what I'm talking about, it would really paint a picture for you of like what was going on and what it okay. must have been like to be in this situation. So the topic we're going to be discussing is called the Bhopal disaster. Bhopal is spelled B as in boy, H-O-P as in party, A-L, Bhopal. So it is widely considered. I'm so sorry that I laughed because P for party in this disaster. Cool. Well, because at first I was going to say P for P and I was like, you can't define it with whatever you understand. Um Indeed. So this is this is widely considered to be the worst industrial accident in the world. And it came at a really strange time. It came during this like weird 1980s greed is good, corporations fucking over the little people, 
Chernobyl was just two years, a little over two years after this. And so there was like a lot of mm -hmm. things that were like falling apart. Like the domino was falling up like these shitty companies doing shitty things and getting away with it. Uh huh. And this was the worst of that. The like worse than Chernobyl it was a big deal. So yeah. the disaster we're going to be discussing took place between December 2nd and December 3rd. So of 1984. So it basically started at like 11.45 p.m. on the 2nd and like ended at like 1 a.m. on the 3rd. So it's just like it falls within that kind of um, time bracket. And it happened in mm -hmm. a part of India known as Mad Madhya Pradesh, which is a basically it's like a shanty town. Like it's really not even like a city. Like mm -hmm. picture picture like hovels, like Hooverville yeah. era kind of homes and that's basically what it was mm -hmm. one thing I, I like thought it. about when i was researching this um this episode was how there's like a former privilege i never thought of before which was i was never raised next to a pesticide plant a chemical factory a nuclear power plant like none of that stuff mm -hmm. and no totally i was just talking about that with my husband like we're so lucky that we have walls I know, like I said, that to my 500-year-old ancestor, but there's plenty of people that don't have walls. You know, they live in those, like, corrugated steel yeah. shanty towns all over the world. Millions yeah. of people, you know? That's, that's basically what this was. I actually looked into this, Taylor. It's actually a term that was coined in, like, the late 1980s called environmental racism, which is basically mm -hmm. the convergence of, like, four factors. I didn't write the factors here, but it was something to the effect of um, companies trying to maximize profits, meaning they needed to acquire land at a very low cost. The people who were mm -hmm. in that area having no political power and not having the ability to be mobile due to poverty. So, like, all these factors kind of converge mm -hmm. this environmental racism. It was like, let's put this horrible, horrible thing next to these poor people in India who literally live in, like, cardboard boxes because they don't have a choice. Right. And that's basically right, and they can't leave. Yeah. Which we've talked about with, like, disasters before, like, or, like, living in unsafe places. Like, if people could move out of Michigan, they would, but they can't sell their houses you know like there's there's nowhere to go right so like right. in a lot of cases yeah so okay. the main antagonist of the story is a company called union carbide which sounds like an amazingly evil corporation it sounds like one of those robocop movie corporations oh my god totally and union carbide they were a chemical manufacturer and they're most it mostly did this for industrial use and in 1969 it built this factory in bhopal to produce a type of pesticide called seven s-e-v-i-n which that name mm -hmm. sounded familiar to me i think it's like a i think that's the brand name but it's also used in like a bunch of other stuff i think it's like roach spray and whatever it's like all it's all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff Part of the production process of creating seven includes the use and creation of a um, chemical known as methyl isocyanate, which sounds really bad because it is. It goes, it goes also by the term MIC, but MIC is like an internal nomenclature. The science world knows it as methyl isocyanate, and that's going to come in useful and handy to know that later on. MIC okay. is a colorless, flammable liquid that is very, very bad for human health. If you come mm -hmm. in contact with it, and either it's liquid or if it's heated it's in boiled, it's vaporized form, these side effects are a lung edema, which is basically drowning in water in your lungs while you're above ground. Oh my. Burning of your eyes, your nose, your throat, 
hemorrhaging of your lungs, which means you drown with your lungs full of blood instead of water this time. Overall, oh it has a very, very high death rate if it comes in contact with someone and there's no antidote for it. There's no way to mitigate is that, death. Is that as a gas? As a gas, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And on December 1st, 1984, employees of this factory started feeling kind of the milder effects of MIC poisoning. They'd complain of chest pain, coughing, irritated nose, eyes, and throats. And so they started investigating it. So by late December 2nd, it was concluded that somehow water had found its way into a tank called E610, which E610 had two sister tanks that were all next to it. This is the one that became contaminated with water. And at that time, it contained 42 tons of MIC. That alone was problematic because that's actually not how you're supposed to store it. You're so, the entire mm -hmm. capacity of the tank is 60 tons, but you're only supposed to store it half full because the other half has to be inert gas to prevent water from getting in and oxidizing and corroding the, the chemical compounds and releasing as gas. I feel like I kind of get that because they don't like they don't like fully fill up our propane tank. You right. know, it's like the gas is in there and then there's like air or whatever. Yeah, there's a yes. really good reason for that. The reason for that is exactly what we're going to discuss. Like, the, there's like 70 reasons why this happened. And that is one of the obvious reasons why it ended up happening. But it also shows all the 70 the, reasons why these happen. Yeah, yeah but, but it also shows at the baseline of like how obviously preventable so much of this shit was. Just don't do mm -hmm. the thing that you're told not to do and you should be fine. But you compound that with the other 100 things you weren't supposed to do that you ended up doing and now you're fucked. So, right. so again, 42 tons worth of this, this um, liquid compound is in this tank called E610. Water being introduced to MIC has the ability to create a chain reaction, immediately reacts to it, and it starts vaporizing the liquid MIC and turning it into a gas, which generates heat, which increases pressure. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. So this night, they noticed that the pressure inside of E610 had increased from 2 PSI to 10 PSI in the span of 30 minutes. These guys were like, this is a mistake. It's a faulty reading. Like there's an, the, the pressure gauge is faulty that's the only reason but also they already knew people were getting sick like people were already falling off from mild versions yeah. of this poisoning so they should have known something was going on it sounds like well it sounds like they should have had some sort of canary right to get sick first that's true we should always have one canary cage above every mic tank yeah um Oh, it had something else from what you just said. Well, it sounds like they should have like been aware that like things were happening. It'll come back to me. Keep going. Well, so by 11.45 p.m. on December 2nd, it was clear enough that something was going on that they reported to their supervisors they had an issue with this tank. And the supervisor... Oh, I remember my thing. Oh, go ahead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you remember? In... Did, you, did you watch the Chernobyl show? I feel like that that you might have watched i've seen like two of the episodes there's like a whole part of it where they're like whatever like they're measuring like they're measuring like radiation and they're like if it goes past like you know 15 then like it's really really bad but so all of the measurements like went to 15 and they were like well it's not that bad because it didn't go past 15 that's a made-up number but you know what i mean but yeah. none, of the, none of the machines 
could even read further than that. So when they finally got another machine, it was like 3,000. But like, they never would have, they wouldn't have known what the machines they had because they didn't go up to that number. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Again, it's like, it's like one of like a thousand things going wrong that results in yeah. this kind of stuff happening. I'm going to close that story. Totally. Me out that it's open. Makes you feel like someone's going to start running at me. So at 11.45 p.m. on December 2nd, again, they had realized there's probably something really wrong. They went to their supervisors and said, hey, we have this issue. But at that time, they were 30 minutes away from a tea break. So at 12.15 a.m. on December 3rd was a scheduled tea break. And they said, like, let's dr- wait. In- like drinking tea? Literally like drinking tea. Okay. And they were like, let's put this on hold. Let's put a pin in this. We'll come back to it after tea time. But like, again, this is a chemical chain reaction. It's happening at the speed of sound. Like there is no Right, time. you can't take a break. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is not like, let's go check out the Black Friday sales, then come back and deal with this. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> the tea break ends 30 minutes later. So it's 12.45 a.m. on December 3rd. And at this point, the pressure in the tank had gone from the 10 PSI, which is the latest reading, to 40 PSI, which is really bad. It's like about to burst because the in, the the amount of vapor that, that's being generated is too much. So uh-huh. at this point, gas had started being vented into the atmosphere already because the seams uh-huh. couldn't handle that volume of pressure. And so it started leaking out of the tank. Overall, 30 tons of gas had seeped out and been vented into the atmosphere before any alarm bells were sounded. So wow. usually what ends up happening when at a facility like this where it having an issue could have impacts further than the factory itself is that the alarm bells are connected to each other. So if you were to sound an all hands alarm inside this factory, everybody inside the factory would know something was up so you could try to mitigate the issue or run away. And it would sound an alarm mm-hmm. outside the factory. So everybody that's around the town would also know that something was going on and be able to run away. But right. that was also one of the safety issues was that they uh, disabled the two piece to the one two punch of it and so they sounded an alarm internally and then one tiny alarm went off like a split second outside and then it was disabled and because the system had been disconnected from each other meanwhile everybody at the factory was running upwind away from the factory the town was downwind so the factory Mm. people knew what was going on and nobody was giving the alert of the all hands to anybody outside the factory so gas is leaking out, and as, as it starts kind of settling over the, the city, um, people in the city started reacting to it, obviously, and the police reached out to the folks at the factory and said, hey, we've got some people getting really sick out here. What's going on over there? They said, nothing to worry about. It's all good. Everything's fine. Was, like This whole attempt to try to cover things up started basically immediately as people were starting to flee and like i mentioned before Uh their shanties they're living in like cardboard boxes or like corrugated steel like they're trying to run like nobody even has a car they're like trying to run away from this thing and and you're running away from something that you can't see right so you could see it because it was it was denser than air which also meant Uh that if you were young or infirm like in a wheelchair you were obviously dead like because because the, because it was denser than air, so it would come it would settle lower on the ground in the air column, uh, and so you're gonna uh. get a heavier dose of it. 
And add to that the fact that the local hospital, when they started seeing initial reports of this exposure and these illnesses, they had no idea what was going on. I mean, they don't know, they don't know exactly what seven the pesticide is made out of. They don't know what MIC is. Again, that's a marketing language. That's not actually what the compound is called. They actually thought they were dealing right. with uh, the spread of an ammonia leak. They're like, that's probably what, what is going on. That was basically their best guess. And when they called the factory to figure out what was going on, they said it's MIC. And they're like, uh, okay, like, I don't know what that is. So sure, we'll just deal with the symptoms, I guess. Yeah. They should have been, well, they should have been super prepared for that, right? Just live yeah. next to it. Yeah. Well, that was, that was the thing that later came up once, obviously, all this stuff goes to trial is they were like, they couldn't be prepared for something that was so impossible to happen. Like it was, there were so many safety precautions that had to be bypassed for this to end up happening. And we're going to mm. go through those one by one. And so that's why they never dealt with it. They never got to um, figure out a solution for this, which really the solution you'll, you'll, you can see pictures of this later on when I bring up the Atlantic article about it, but the solution would have been to put giant like sheets of fabric up like high vertically and then douse them with water. And then that's what's like kind of capture the gas in the fabric. So you can actually breathe around there, which, yeah. Huh. That doesn't seem that hard. It's a solution. Yeah. I mean, that's something that they have in their homes. Right. Right. Exactly. They, they could have done something. Do it. Yeah. Think about it. You can yeah. just wrap that around your face, right? Like you just wrap a thing of water around your face. I mean, I think you may be waterboarding yeah. yourself, but otherwise it should work. Yeah. One distinction uh, of Bhopal is that it is also one of the most densely packed cities in the most densely packed uh, country in the world. The mm -hmm. shanty town, th these were just workers around the factory. Like they were just like, you just wake up. I mean, the town literally was built around this thing. It was like the factory was kind of like the central nucleus of the entire city, which is why it had such a uh -huh. dramatic impact because if it leaves the factory, the only place it has to go and settle is this, this tiny town that's, that's right beneath it. Mm -hmm. as people start kind of dropping so too do the animals so basically it turns into a zombie hellscape so like all their livestock is dead all every animal around them is falling down apparently it's turning some of the leaves on the trees black like it looks like hell on earth is what the um, eyewitness survival statements of this have been about what, what it looked like and there's a lot of difference of opinion in terms of the death count. So some sources put the death count somewhere around 2,200 people like that night. Others put it closer to 5,000. So it's somewhere in that range. I've also seen 3,600. So it's somewhere in the two uh -huh. to 5,000 person range, like that initial first night. In addition to that, roughly 41,000 people became severely, severely disabled, like people needing life support for the rest of their lives or lung, uh, um, organ transplants and stuff like that. Oh and then God. nearly 600,000, 574,000 people were injured um, as a result of this. So they had to Holy seek shit. medical attention. It was, it was the entire town. Like it was literally the entire town. Mm -hmm. There's a photo you should find that is haunting and terrifying. And it was taken. Is on it the, a baby? Yeah. Did I you see it already? It. I saw it. Just the baby's face in the dirt. Yeah. 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 So that picture was taken by a pretty well-renowned, famous photographer called Ragu Ray. And he, they were basically putting together mass burning pits to like destroy the bodies because there were so many bodies available. And like the system had, there was no infrastructure for something like this. And this guy took this picture that ended up becoming basically the image that was the face of the Bhopal disaster. 
What did you search? Did you search that. Bhopal? I just, yeah, Bhopal disaster. And it's like the first thing that comes up is that poor baby. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the way that with Auschwitz, it's always like the train tracks that show the white gate. Like that is, this is, yeah. that picture became the endemic picture. And nobody knows who that baby is. Usually the entire families were dead. So a lot of the um, eyewitness accounts. Right, it's whole families probably dead. Yeah, it was, it was like, it, it'd be like a kid who has like seven siblings and two parents and he just woke up and the whole family was dead. For some reason, it didn't affect uh-huh. them. So, <clears throat> so nobody knows who the kid was. Um, the Atlantic also released this awesome photo op-ed of what happened. This was in 2014. It was called Bhopal, the world's worst industrial disaster 30 years later. It is totally worth Googling. You can get pictures of what it looked like back then. You get pictures of what it looks like now. It looks terrifying right now. It looks like this plant is just like this weird abandoned it looks haunted Mm -hmm. the whole place looks fucking haunted Mm -hmm. which it probably is so all this goes down and people are obviously very very upset union carbide mostly tries to absolve itself of any blame they held to this theory called the uh worker sabotage theory of what ended up happening they claimed that Mm -hmm. it was nearly impossible for water to enter the tank without someone actually forcing the water into the tank and their argument is that some random worker decided to kill off the town and hook the water line to the side of the tank. That's that's their argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now, realistically, we actually don't even know what ended up causing this. We know that the plant was very poorly maintained. And we also know that the government of India basically shut off access to the plant and conducted their own investigation. So nobody actually got to investigate what was going on outside of the government itself. And the government was the one that's also suing Union Carbide for billions and billions of dollars over what they ended up causing. So mm-hmm. the government's take on this was that there were workers who were about 400 feet away trying to unclog a pipe somewhere. And they were using mm-hmm. forced induction water to clear that pipe. And they weren't using what's called a slip line plate, which prevents water from leaking outside that pipe. And then water from mm-hmm. that ended up getting inside this tank. They, there's also like an obvious cultural bias here. So apparently very few of the plant operators understood English, but all these safety equipment, safety manuals and the writings on them, the warnings on them were all written in English. And so nobody actually could read any of this stuff, which is like an obvious bad unbelievable. thing. I know. So simple. Jesus Again, Christ. so many of these things have to add up. Yeah. Ugh. So. In addition to this, uh, there were also other safety precautions that were there, but not operational at the time. So, for example, uh, most of these plants like this have what's called a flare tower, which is basically what it sounds like. It is a high tower with a flame at the end of it. And so if gas is escaping from one of these tanks, it's supposed to be routed up this flare tower, and then it gets burned off before it can be released into the atmosphere. But in this case, the flare tower... I've seen those in, like... I feel like I see those. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so any It's like the flame... Yeah. At the very end, yeah, it's like usually you would see it with like an oil derrick, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in this case, that uh, flare tower had been inoperational for about five months. Could not work. Did not work. Five months. Again, a million things adding up. Yeah. It was, this is another insane one. So it was later discovered that all these tanks had refrigeration units. Because again, there's several things that have to come together for this to happen. So one, it has to, there has right. to be a certain temperature. It has to have a uh, conductive force introduced to it. In this case, water, like somebody didn't release, uh, release the pressure valve on. Like, there was a hundred things that had to happen. Yeah. 
So there's a hundred things that they do ahead of time to prevent this from happening. One of those was refrigerating the units. So all these units individually have refrigeration units attached to them to keep them at a steady temperature. In this case, it would have been four and a half degrees Celsius. In this case, the refrigeration unit was broken. So it wasn't working. So it was actually the, right. at ambient temperature, which was 20 degrees Celsius at the time. And also this was outlined in the manuals, but the manuals were in English, so nobody knew. So Union Carbide uh, was later on sold to Dow Chemicals. I'm gonna get into a lot more detail here, but for the time being, just know that they were so sold to Dow Chemicals. They actually still maintain a website that is just about Bhopal. And I went to it, I looked it up, it was really, really interesting. I've never seen like a corporate, here's our take on this event that like we're uh -huh. not responsible for at this point anymore because it's been like 40 years now and we've been sold off to two different companies. So like they still, they're still maintaining their innocence and what they talk about on their, on their website is they leaned heavily on that worker sabotage theory. So, uh -huh. It's, it's interesting because I look at the circumstances, this whole environmental racism thing. I look at where they set this plant up. I look at how they treated their workers. I look at how everything was in a state of deterioration and breakdown and nobody gave a shit because they're like, fuck these people. If they die, they die. It doesn't really matter. All this stuff. Mm -hmm. and it's just obvious. Like you, you were the responsible party and you did this. But when you look at this worker sabotage theory, it kind of makes sense. Like, I feel like maybe those things can all be true. You can be awful and shitty and evil. And also you didn't do like this. So yes, one of the things was, again, none of these safety things were, were in, in, in effect, but the very root cause of this was water going into the tank. That started the chemical reaction and then everything fucked up before that and everything fucked up after that. But how did the water get into a sealed tank that was specifically designed to not let water absorb into it? So right. One report stated that for water from the workers cleaning that clogged pipe 400 feet away to have entered the tank, the water would have had to have reached the height of 10 feet before it could have gone. And it was impossible. It was an open space. It never would have gotten to 10 feet high. And so they were like, it doesn't right. make any sense how water could have gotten into this thing. In addition to that, there was this guy who was the plant operations manager who was responsible for the manufacturer of MIC. And in 2017, there was like another court case. There's so many court cases. Like I'm gonna blow past sure. the court cases later on because I'm like, you'll, we'll all just not off to sleep driving and listen to this if I don't. But in 2017, there was a court case and this guy who was a productions manager for the first time came out and said, this was not, this was not an accident that somebody physically did this. He actually named a guy that he think did this. Uh -huh. And you know, on one part, I'm like, well, you were the plant operations manager responsible for production of this stuff. So like you have an incentive to say, this wasn't done, this didn't happen accidentally. Somebody deliberately did this, but also it's 2017. So like, why, what, if you're going to lie, why do it now? Like, I mean, presumably this guy's like 80 years right. old now. Like, why, like, so a part of me thinks like, maybe it's true. I don't know. Yeah. Because nobody can definitively say how water got into the tank. That's all we know. We do right. know that the well, day wait, has anyone this, ever, go ahead. I'm sorry, has anyone been able to look at the tank? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. Okay. Not just so, like the government. No, just the government has. So that's what right. you need Carbide is that's saying. That's my suspicious question. Yeah. yeah they're, they're saying that, that like, let us investigate this thing. Like it's our plant. We would know better than you would. And they right. were completely cut out of the investigation by the government. It's worth noting the government also owned 22% of this company. And so they also have an incentive 
to say it was all this third party because they don't want to pay out pay out the victims. Hundred percent. Yeah, that checks out as BS. Right. So, Union Carbide came out initially with a three hundred and fifty million dollars settlement offer and to set up a victims fund. They said that if they did it this way, they would essentially um, earn interest over the term of 20 years to the tune of $600 million, then they could settle all liability claims um, for the disaster and care for the victims. The government of India said, no, fuck this, we're not going to accept that offer. We want $3.3 billion, which Union Carbide obviously turned down because that was more or less their market cap at the time. Right. So part of India's reason for, um, for why they were... I mean, the disparity, the 10x disparity in the dollar figure was how bad this event actually was. So as I mentioned, livestock, flora, fauna, everything was basically contaminated or if it wasn't contaminated, it was already dead. So in addition to that, the people who survived and were still in that area, they couldn't use the land. They couldn't fish because they thought the fish contained MIC. They couldn't um, eat the livestock. They thought that had MIC. And so as a result of this, they're also dealing with a massive, massive food shortage. And mm-hmm. because nobody had contemplated a disaster of this scale and size, I mean, think about like 600,000 people show up at your door one day and are like, we all need medical attention, the most severe case right. possible. Nobody was equipped for this. And so as a result, they also had to build these makeshift hospitals. They had to bring in doctors that were basically like, like low tier doctors, the worst, of the worst, because they, there wasn't was enough doctors to go around the entire city or the entire country is the actual cost mm-hmm. to India's government was tremendous because they also had to figure out how to rehome these people, half a million of them who could no longer use this part of the country. It was all yeah. terrible. So ultimately two parties settled on, I think it's like a pretty modest amount of money. It was $470 million plus 17 million to basically fund a hospital dedicated to just treating these victims. So pretty light, like just shy of half a billion, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the same time as the civil cases going on, there's also several criminal cases going on. So the CEO of Union Carbide is a guy named, or was a guy, he died in 2014. It was a guy named Warren Anderson. And he's like the quintessential Gordon Gecko. Like when I looked at his picture, I was like, man, like you just look like you killed a bunch of <laughs> 80s. brown people. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he was charged with manslaughter by the government of India and an ex- extradition request was sent to the United States, which the U.S. was like, we're not doing this. We're not going to send this guy to go to jail in India. Um, so ultimately, only seven people who worked at, in Union Carbide were, were charged and faced any actual tangible consequences. And these were just the Indian guys. Mm-hmm. These are the Indian the executives in of India. The, yeah, like they were the only ones they get a hold of. I mean, I'm sure if you're living in Bhopal and you're an executive, you're, you're probably not like a Warren Anderson who's like probably got like seven homes in the Hamptons. So these guys yeah. ended up getting a negligent homicide charge. They faced two years sentences, which they were actually paroled almost immediately. Um, and they each received a $2,800 fine for what they did or didn't do. Wow. It's interesting because today... Women in that area, when they're lactating, MIC is still found in their breast milk. Like it is. Oh my God. It is a absolute hellscape even to this day. And wow. since all this ended up happening, obviously the factory has been shut down. That tank hasn't been destroyed. It's still kind of sitting there. 
recently, I think it was like 2016, 2017, some investigative reporter, basically all these people who still live in this area are like, this thing is still poisoning us. Like there's still chemicals here. They're leaking out of these tanks that have not been operational for 40 years. They're in the groundwater. Mm-hmm. And this one investigative reporter went there to kind of investigate the spot. I can't imagine how fucking terrifying this had to be. Like, I, I hope this guy makes a million dollars on his reporting because the thought of just going here and walking around it, like, you've seen pictures of it, right? It looks absolutely nightmarish. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he was trying to investigate if there actually is still chemicals there that are being leaked into the ground. He ended up getting crazy sick. Like he had to be hospitalized in the ICU just by walking around this place. So it is still doing something. It is, it's still there. It's still leaching poison into the ground for these poor people. And it presumably always will. Uh, it's been a bit completely, completely abandoned. The company itself, like I mentioned, was sold off to Dow Chemicals. It is not operating in Bhopal anymore. So that's the latest and greatest. Right. So the people there like don't even have any jobs anymore. <laughs> There's nothing. The, 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 the financial impact of all of this, you lose your family, you lose your home, you lose your animals, you lose your uh, fucking vegetation, like you can't drink the water. Like it is, I don't even know how they survive. Yeah. A lot I mean, of these folks like barely up, do. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, they're barely surviving anyways. A lot of these folks ended up moving to other parts of India, but there's still a city there. Like there's still people that live there. It's still a, I'm not going to say thriving metropolis, but it's still a metropolis in some ways, but it's like you're just living there with the fact that 30 tons of your everything around you is contaminated with this shit. It doesn't go away. It also doesn't go away. Like it's like nuclear radiation just kind of sticks around. Totally. Ugh, that's terrible. But the reason I kept bringing up the documentary is like I was trying to paint a picture of what this city looked like. It's like every... It's not their fault. I mean, look, you can't blame people for being poor, but it's, it's, it just looks like a hellscape. Like, it just looks like hell on earth. And then you add into the fact that, like, all the city is now poisoned, and it's just, and your animals are all dead. It's just, like, the whole thing is just such a nightmarish picture. And think about it. It happened, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. So, like, you're in bed, and all of a sudden, you can't breathe. Right. Your eyes are burning, and your nose is, like, turning blood red. <laughs> and, like, people could have just died and not even noticed. No, I don't think so. It, it sounds have, like a you, horrible. You woke up. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, because because this reminds me a lot of um of coin poisoning. Have you heard about coin poisoning at all? Uh. Uh-uh. So when coin is vaporized that? and you breathe it, it does to your eyes. It it does to everything inside of you what like the small doses you get if you open your eyes under under water in a pool do. It just basically incinerates your insides. Like it just flames you from the inside out. It's a horrible way to die. Mm-hmm. It's one of the worst ways to die known to man. And that's also what this was essentially. So no, I, you would know. You would know you would die relatively quickly, but, you, but you're dying of hemorrhaging inside of you. And so bleeding out isn't going to be a fast process. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. There's a great chlorine story. I read it like forever ago and it was like this couple somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Texas, nobody was around them. And this train transporting a bunch of chlorine derailed and it vaporized the chlorine. And then it just was like, was around this couple's house and they couldn't leave and they had to like sit there. And I think they both died, but I, I'll research that and do an update, but it's crazy. Crazy. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, like didn't we, some of those things happened recently. Like, wasn't there that train in Ohio that had all that like gas? Yeah, I think that was coin too. Oh, yeah, that might have been coin. 
Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. It's really, really bad stuff. So, and also there's like this element of like industrialness to it of like, it's just, I don't know. There's an environmental racism piece of it. The greed is good piece of it. The fact that it's just all bad. Like, it's, just all, it's like the worst yeah. parts of human nature kind of colliding in creating this situation. And also the name is terrifying. Union Carbide is coming to town to build a factory. It's like, get the fuck out of here with that. Absolutely not, you freaking movie villains. Get out of town. With Warren Anderson, with his amazing hair. Oh, wait, let me Google him. He does have amazing hair. He looks like a CEO. Like, this guy was born to be the CEO of a company that kills a bunch of brown people. Oh, I see him. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A little bit older than a Gordon Gecko, but I think, yeah. He was named after um, Warren G. Hardy. Nice. Yeah. Um, he lived to be 92 and died in Florida. At a nursing home. In Vero Beach. Always. Yeah. Anywho, that is my story. Thanks. It is, again, the the doom to fail part being water and MIC. If you have MIC and you're storing it in your backyard, do not introduce water to it because it will cause a chemical reaction. It will kill your whole town. Yeah, be careful with that. With that. Don't, I mean, yeah, someone has doing, to live next to a chemical plant, but like, I don't know, get a canary. Stop doing chemistry in your backyard. Chemical. That's 100%. I saw like a thing that, that was like a house in, I don't know, like Palo Alto that was like really expensive, but it was a total teardown because it used to be a meth lab. You couldn't go into it. Why can't you go into a meth lab? Full of, because you'll die because it's full of meth chemicals. Are those bad for you? Yes. Were you supposed to smoke it? Yes, but it's like made in a lab. Like so, if you if you have a meth lab in your house, your house is contaminated. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, what's his face had that. Um, what's his name? David David Shapiro? No. Um, David Shakespeare? No. Uh, the the Waco guy. What's his name? David David Branch Branch Crash. 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 Yes. David Crash. He had a meth lab. Well, when they moved into the Mount Carmel compound, they reported a meth lab in there, mm -hmm. so the police had to come out and clear it and sanitize it. Got it. Yeah, Is that's it... what I'm thinking. Is bad for you? Um, I made an absolutely horrifying photo on Mid Journey while you were talking, and I don't think I'm going to post it because it's terrible. But do you want to see it? Yeah, <laughs> always. Um. <laughs> okay, wait. How do I? This is you're gonna be just hold hold on to your butts. Oh my God! What did you search? I just wrote Bhopal disaster, and the other ones are kind of tame, but this one's awful. It's like a child surrounded by skeletons that are standing up. It's very scary. It's like Let's very see. scary. Imagine. Oh, we're not talking to silence. This is a silent. Okay, portion. I'm stop sharing. This is a silent portion cool. of the podcast. Um. Yeah. There you go. There you have well, it. Thank you, Fars. I'm excited yeah. to hear more about um the um more engineering disasters more to come i i had a gas disaster to my my mid journey let's see what that produces uh it's more of the same i mean these images are haunting Ugh. but they're also not that far off from like what i picture in my mind when i think of like this event <laughs> yeah totally i mean like there are like literal pictures of like people walking through the town and that animals are all dead <laughs> and then there's pictures of dead people everywhere
Yeah, not good. So we will be posting all of those, but they'll exist. Damn, that one's freaky. Uh, um, cool. Yeah. Well, is there anything you want to read out to Ooh, before we cut you. off? Um, yeah, we had a couple uh, Instagram messages. Um, our friend September and my cousin Lindsay sent some things, ideas for you that I'll send to you. And then um, our friend Andrea said, yes, she agrees that third parties are ridiculous for presidential elections, but it wouldn't be a problem if we use ranked choice voting. So something to think about. Uh, that, that, is, second. that is the ideal way to do it is ranked choice, but we would. Yeah. Anything that improves. So here's the thing. My general thesis is that anything that would increase voter outcomes and are less likely to be diluted by other people's interests in those outcomes isn't going to happen. And ranked choice voting is one of those things. Yeah. And I think it's certain specific people who are making that happen. Right. Um, So not me. But it's out there. Um, I, like just I'm this not, week. Uh, I didn't do it. What? No, no, we didn't do it. I mean, like just this week, there was like a county where um, the predominantly black areas kept running out of ballots. Yeah. And they could bring them like 100 ballots a day, like an hour. You're like, what? It's so obvious what you're doing. So obvious. <laughs> but, you know, um, America. Anyway, yeah, that's it. So, Thank you, Andrea and Lindsay in September. And um, if anyone has any other ideas or thoughts, please let us know. We're on Instagram at doom to fail pod and then at Gmail, doom to fail pod at gmail.com. Perfect. Awesome. We'll go ahead and cut this off.